And before I even finish the sentence, mm. it's usually a he, I'm, I'm afraid. Mm. He interjects me almost, almost interrupts me and tells me that he thinks this is bullshit. Uh, he thinks uh, climate change is bullshit. It's, and, and, and at the extreme, I, I'm even told that I'm part of a global conspiracy. <laughs> Science experiment. The game I play is a very interesting one. It's imagination in a tight straitjacket. The beauty of a living thing is not the atoms that go into it, but the way those atoms are put together. What I always think should be the basis of education is not answers but questions. We should teach kids how to question. Welcome to Blabcoats, my name is Amit Siddiqui. So in this week's episode, I got a chance to speak to Eric um, Sinanian, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I'm terrible with names, so I apologize, Eric, if I got that wrong. Eric's a fascinating guy, and I really enjoy that conversation. He um, wrote a book called The Climate for Denial, essentially looking at the reasons why people don't believe in climate change. And it's not because the facts aren't there. It's more emotional, uh, in fact. And he found, interestingly, that if you fit in the category of, so if you're over 55, uh, if you're really religious, if you're politically conservative, then chances are a really strong uh, probability that you're going to deny climate. Um, and we he talked about some of the reasons why that's the case. Uh, and it's a really... Uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with him. But before we, we go on, uh, make sure you check out his book uh, and, and buy it. It's available on Amazon um, and, and I'm sure other bookstores. Um, but also, uh, so some students may be aware that there are um, uh, research projects, scholarship projects available during summer. So if you're in a second year or third year science degree in uh, or psychology or whatever you field you're in, uh, consider doing these um, projects over over summer. You, first of all, you get paid for it, but second of all, if you're considering research and getting into science um, or in the field of research, then then this is great practice and, and a great challenge to help you build your confidence and to give you vital experience um, that will be so useful uh, once you're finished. I, I did work experience with my supervisor in my third year. And I didn't even get paid for it. So uh, I did it because I was just nervous and I was uh, I didn't know what to expect. And so I thought I'd better prepare myself. So use this as an opportunity to do that. Um, I, I want to uh, just let you guys know about a specific project that's been offered um, by Dr. Karen Mulak. So if you don't remember who she is, she's a few episodes back. She looks at how... She looked at how we learn languages. Um, and her project is project number 38. This is at Western City University. Keep in mind that every uni is uh, offering these type of projects, so don't restrict yourself just to Western Sydney. Go to all universities and pick a project that interests you. But her project is essentially uh, number 38 at Western Sydney University, um, and it's called Look Who's Talking, Perceived Ethnic Backgrounds of Speakers Impact Language Learning. So participants will complete a word learning experiment in which they'll hear the same audio recording, 
but they will be told that the words were produced by a person of Caucasian, Middle Eastern, Papua New Guinean or Asian appearance and will look at whether um, who they think is producing the words affects how they will learn them. Uh, I think that's an interesting project that um, you should be involved in if, if, if that's your field, if that's what you want to get into. So definitely check it out, uh, send her an email uh, and, and apply. I'm sure there's some procedures you have to go through UWS if you want to if you want to work on that project. Anyway, um, without further ado, here's my interview with Eric. But yeah, you, uh, what, was, what were we talking about just a, just a minute ago? Research and, re- and yeah, fetish. Fetish. <laughs> fetishes. Fetishes and all that. Women's sexuality. What I, what I was trying to say was, um, as a culture, and um, this is something you just mentioned as well, like we accept men's sexuality, but when it comes to women's sexuality, it's like we, we react really weird to it. Well, it's more constrained. Yes. It's, it's it's society puts constraints on it and and much more judgmental than men's sexuality anyway that's not what we're here for is it <laughs> but <that laughs> we, i'm more than happy it's just not my it's not my area of expertise unfortunately <laughs> Well, okay. I can't claim to have any expertise in the area, other than other than what I just told you. Yeah. That's about it. I've I've finished. I'm I'm done. Neither neither can I. But you know, I I, I was listening to a podcast. I forget this gentleman's um, name. He wrote a book called Sex at Dawn, and he was looking at um, what, what human sexuality was in the hunter gatherer um, days. Mm. You know, when mm. you had tribes of fifty to hundred fifty people, mm. the term promiscuous didn't mean what it means now. Um, promiscuous now we take it as you know a person having sex with many people many who people. are strangers right mm. back in the days according to um, I forget his name I, I well there aren't many strangers in 120 people is there I mean no, you basically know everybody in yeah, the village yeah exactly right yeah. And promiscuity was actually encouraged in, in the case studies that he presented well it, it made sure that the species continued yeah that and yeah. also you can imagine that you know hunting back then was dangerous men would die during mm. you know mm. hunting mm. Uh, exhibitions and so if you were promiscuous and you had sexual relations with multiple men then it ensured that you would still survive you'd have someone to provide mm. for you mm. and vice versa so men would have multiple partners as a contingency plan oh yeah yeah in fact having many children was a was an insurance policy as well which, yeah. which we are reversing now because reversing. people aren't having any any children yeah. too much trouble <laughs> too, much, too much too much cost too yeah, much yeah too much imposition of uh, our financial uh, stability yeah. so what do we talk about so let's talk about so we'll, we'll i was thinking perhaps you could go through uh, a bit about your journey yeah uh, how you decide to do what you decide to do yeah then we can talk about how you got involved in climate change yeah um I would like to go through some of the, because there are so many people I've met who are just so skeptical of climate change. Really? You'd be surprised. This is one of the reasons why this we is, started this, this is, podcast. This is disturbing. This is disturbing. They, and, and the irony is, just to, to answer that, uh, so many people, what, any particular age group, culture, it, ideology? It spans. So um, I have friends from... Uh, from all sorts of cultures, Indian, uh, Croatian, Serbian, right. Arab, all of Age them. group? Uh, young and old. Wow. Yeah. Um, this is not, I'm not happy to hear this <laughs> at all, but no. I'm not surprised. I, I'm not happy, but I'm not surprised because that, and that's why, I, I mean, you, you say, how did I, how did I, how did I get into this? Okay. Just going back a few steps, I'm, I've had a very long and very interesting, exciting career. I'm very grateful for the opportunities I've had. Mm. That's that's a good statement. But 
I, I trained as an engineer. I've got two degrees in engineering. And very early in my car- career, I, I, I decided that sort of the, the harder engineering issues like, you know, building big machines and big buildings was not my thing. Mm. So I became interested in energy conservation, energy efficiency, but also resource efficiency. I, I just thought, and I still do, mm. think that our society is very inefficient inefficient in the way we utilize our resources use our the materials we waste a lot mm. we consume a lot and the irony is still is and this is a big issue and climate change is is comes into this conversation mm. um the big issue we have and I, I do mention this in my book is that our, the whole global economy relies heavily on consumption if if if, if all of us stop consuming which would which would go a great way towards actually relieving climate change because resources, energy, materials, transport, all that. So if we stopped consuming things, can you imagine what would happen to the global economy? I mean, it would just collapse. It'd be it'd be it, it, it'd be almost as catastrophic as what we're talking about with North Korea and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It, it 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 would be. So what we what we'll have to do. So anyway, so. Going back, I'm getting distracted. So going back to my earlier career, so energy efficiency, resource efficiency was my thing. And of course, environmental management became part of my my career. And I've been a consultant ever since. But more recently, and I can, I have to thank, ironically, it is very ironic, I have to thank John Howard, of all people, right. for getting me on this. Because when he came, he became prime minister way back whenever that was, in the 80s or whatever 90s um he 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 i knew that he, i could tell that he wasn't going to get climate change he wasn't going to do anything about it he didn't accept it mm. and certainly wasn't going to do anything about it so and because i had this passion and i had this interest and i had the skills particularly in greenhouse gas management energy efficiency etc but i knew also that a lot was happening in europe Europe, Europe, Europe's been ahead of Australia and America by by decade, at least a decade, if not two, in terms of addressing climate change, addressing greenhouse gas emissions, etc. Why, why is that? Um, interesting. I think it's partly cultural. It's partly necessity because uh, a lot of European countries do not have a lot of uh, oil mm. and. I mean, if you've ever been to Italy, for instance, you know, petrol is twice the price of what we pay here. Right. You know, that's 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 huge. We're not talking about 10% more, 20%. It's just significantly more because they don't have any any of those. They don't have a lot of coal. They don't, so they have a, a lot of European countries rely on nuclear power, mm. which is, of course, carbon zero, right. basically. Yeah. Um, so... So I, I guess a lot of it, to answer your question, why a lot of it is historic, a lot of it is resource uh, availability or not availability. So that for decades and decades, probably for a century, they've had to deal with this, uh, this issue. So it wasn't a huge transition for them. Mm. Whereas, say, in Australia, it's a huge transition for us, even now, right now. Right this minute, we are talking about coal-fired, you know, the, the, the evil of coal-fired generation, how a lot of the generators are reaching their use-by date and they're, they're going to be um, decommissioned. Mm. 
and how if if we if, if they get decommissioned, how are we going to get you know uh, base load power and all that kind of stuff? So it's a big issue for us. Whereas over there, they've they've been through all this and they they sort of they you know it's a different conversation. So anyway, so I offered myself to the United Nations, and thankfully I got accepted as 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 an an, an international expert. Mm. So I get, I I got involved in a lot of the Kyoto related. Uh, projects and I got voted onto what's known as the accreditation panel for the Kyoto joint implementation mechanism blah 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 anyway so that gave me a very high profile so so by the time Australia started talking about this these issues by the time Australia you know our conversation uh, started um, I was doing a lot of work in this area. I was becoming sort of the, the pin-up boy for Australian kind of, if, if you mention my name in, in, in this field, most people kind of recognize my name and know that I've been doing work in this area. Mm. So anyway, the reason I'm saying all this is not to boast about my achievements, but I've been in that space to have conversations with people. And of course, I was giving presentations at, uh, at conferences and all that sort of stuff. So, so like you said earlier... So I'm at a dinner party or I'm at a wedding or I'm at a conference or I'm out in the street having coffee with someone and somewhere along the line, someone, you know, I meet someone. Hello, my name is Eric. Yeah, I'm Fred. How are you, Fred? Um, uh, and, and Fred says, well, what do you do, Eric? And, and I explain to him in like half a dozen words what I just told you, that I'm, yeah. I'm in the area of climate change and environmental and and carbon management and before i even finish the sentence mm. it's usually a he i'm, I'm afraid mm. he interjects me almost almost interrupts me and tells me that he thinks this is bullshit uh he thinks uh, climate change is bullshit it's and, and and at the extreme i i'm even told that i'm part of a bloody global conspiracy <laughs> oh so so okay well i i try not to respond uh, well, I try not to. It's not easy, but so so I, I go away from these and and these this sort of conversation. Someone confronting me mm. and this someone who hardly knows. And even after I say, but do you know my background? Do you know what I've done for the last like thirty years? And this is the area that I specialize. Even then, it doesn't make any difference. Right. Even then, they say, well, I still think it's bullshit, and I have every right to have this opinion. And I think. Whoa, whoa! I mean, that's that, I think that's big. So I go away as and as as kindly as I can, as inclusively as I can. I started thinking, what what the hell's going on? Mm. Why are these people? Number one, have this opinion without because I usually say to them, okay, this is my credentials. Mm-hmm. What is your? Is this an area that you have expertise? No, no, I don't have expertise in it. I just don't believe it. Okay, so. They don't, they don't have much expertise, they don't have much knowledge, and yet they believe passionately, passionately, aggressively about this. So, and, and these people seem to be, you know, reasonable. They're not mad, no. they're not crazy, and, they, and, and most of them are educated. Mm-hmm. Some of them are my friends. Yeah. So, I, I, and that's, that was the seed, if you like, of my research. Mm. I thought, I really need to find out what the hell's going on? Right. I really want to know. You know, what is it about these people? Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it that gives them this this 
passionate belief or non non belief in yeah. in, a, in a scientific fact. Right. It's like you know, it's like believing that you know the Earth is flat or believing gravity doesn't exist. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's crazy. I, I totally I, I totally get where you're coming from. And you know, my what what I said earlier it's 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 people who are educated in in their respective fields, right? Um, and and it's so funny because it's like there's double there's like a double how would you say double double think double thought where where people have it's like cognitive dissonance right they they that's exactly what i was going to say exactly. that's exactly what it is it is dissonant it, it's they 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 they're actually troubled internally like in in their heads there's there's two two things happening and they're in conflict with each other mm. and that's what cognitive and, the, yeah. and it's and it's weird because if if i comment on their field that they're researching or they're experts in mm. they'll look at me and say hey, Hamid what are you on about you have no knowledge right exactly but when it happens to mm. climate scientists mm. or even when it comes to cancer research you've, mm. I'm sure you've met mm. people who are skeptical about cancer and the, the involvement of pharmaceutical companies in trying to hide the cure well the best example of that is anti-vax yes you see now now but 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 there's a very good correlation be well similarity between anti-vaxxers and anti-climate science people and and the similarity is this in my opinion you know how i said this person says well i have every right to have this opinion i have every right to have this belief well i know this is an extreme thing to say but you know what i don't think you do Mm. i'll tell you why whereas if i if i prefer tea instead of coffee I drink tea. Mm. Do I affect your life? Not at all. Maybe I affect the tea companies a bit, but you know, my my one cup of tea a day isn't going to change the the economy of of beverages. And when I drink tea instead of coffee, I'm not affecting the global community. Mm. I'm not at all. I mean, I just, it's just a preference. It's an opinion I have. I I think tea is better for me than coffee. Blah blah blah. Mm. Okay, but it doesn't affect humanity. Right. Whereas and this is where vaccination is similar to it. Whereas if I have a belief in anti-vaxxing and, and I don't va- vaccinate my, or I don't get my child vaccinated, it's not just my, it doesn't just affect my child. It doesn't just affect me or my family. It affects the whole community, right. it turns out, yeah. right? So same thing with climate change. These people who have these strong views mm-hmm. um, do... Th- a, they don't seem to have enough knowledge of it to have such views. Mm. Um, and in a way, their views, which then affect the way they vote. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I, I don't care if it's politically correct or not. I mean, wh- whoever voted, you know, people like Malcolm Roberts into, the, into Australia's Senate. I mean, these people are voting these people into our parliament. Mm-hmm. And our parliament is making these decisions. So who, you know. Sorry, before you go. Oh, Malcolm, Malcolm Roberts. Yeah, oh my God, just just Google him. <laughs> he he's he's in One Nation. He's, oh, okay. <laughs> he he works closely with with the with Pauline Hanson, and his problem. Unlike Pauline, who kind of we can dismiss. You know, she's crazy. She, she's. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. I'm trying to. I'm trying to um, avoid some sort of court case here. Fair enough. Um, whereas we can dismiss her opinions, you know, she's not very old, and she's a you know fish and chips owner. She's mm. she's kind of a housewifeish sort of you know woman who's got strong opinion, blah blah. But 
the, the problem with, with Malcolm Roberts is he's actually educated. Yeah. He actually has a degree in mining engineering, I think, or something like that. And I think he's done an MBA. Can you believe it? So this guy, and, and the other problem is not only is he educated, but when he speaks, he actually kind of makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like he doesn't speak like Pauline does in sort of, you know, three, three word right. sentences. He actually can put a sentence together and he and his questions sound reasonable yeah. and rational. Yeah. And when he speaks, he actually sounds rational. So if you're a if you're sort of a halfway person, not mm. quite sure, a skeptic, mm, if, and you listen to Malcolm Roberts, you go, Yeah, mm. yeah, this guy, yeah, he's absolutely oh yeah, his questions are valid. Yeah. And guess what? They're not. They're not. They're so really this is why he's People like that, yeah. and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not having a go at him only, but I'm just giving him as an example. So, so when I say these people, the, these deniers, they're voting these people into the, our power, power, powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And these people are making decisions on our behalf. Right. So these fringe elements, these extreme, you know, we started this conversation with sexual extremes, <laughs> right? Well, now we have climate extremes. Right. So if we vote these extremists on either side into parliament and they're making these decisions, it's, it, it does not, it, it's not addressing, first of all, it doesn't even address our democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm going into dangerous ground here. I think our democ- the democratic processes are in danger because what's happening is these extreme views are muddying the conversation, mm. even now. Yep. Look at this discussion on you know, same-sex marriage. Look at the discussion on climate change. Look at the discussion we're having on energy supply. And almost every... every just, just listen to Parliament mm. any, on any day. You will find that it's not the middle ground that addresses 80-70% of opinion in Australia... It's not being, it's not, be, you know, so, so, the, so our democracies, if you like, being hijacked mm-hmm. by extremism. So, I, so, so this is, I'm coming back to the, these, uh, these people who have these opinions that are not rational. And my book explores the irrationality of it, yeah. the irrationality of denial. I mean, we all, we're all in denial of something. It's, it's a very, very common it turns out, uh, as I found out, and my book tries to explain this in a very simplistic way, denial is a very, very common uh, cognitive barrier, cognitive defense mechanism sometimes. We sometimes, when we can't deal with a difficult situation, mm-hmm. sometimes when it's so complex that we want to simplify things in our own heads, right. we tend to rely on denial. denial. Yeah. It's a very easy way. For instance, if I'm facing a really difficult issue in my life, the, the easiest thing I can do is just deny that it's even happening. Yeah. It's as easy as that. Right. It's, it's, it's not happening. It's not there. You know what I mean? And, and let's be honest, at some point or another, it doesn't have to be an extreme situation. At some point or another, we're all kind of not guilty, but we're, we all tend to rely on this, this cognitive defense mechanism it's a it's a coping in fact psychologists 
call it coping mechanism, mm-hmm. defense mechanism. Right. See that that seems you you've raised up uh, quite a few interesting points. Um, just going back to a, a person's opinion affecting those around them. You know, when you do have a belief, as as you pointed out, when you like coffee over tea. There's no issue with that, but as as human beings, we don't hold our beliefs just to ourselves. We mm-hmm. we have a, a, a tendency to spread our beliefs because we might generally believe that is the truth, right? Yeah. yeah. But the problem is this: if you haven't checked your beliefs, if they're not predicated on facts, but rather just mm-hmm. superstition mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. irrationality, then you are as a human being like you, you're morally obligated to do that. Otherwise. There are all these downstream consequences if everybody starts doing that. Yeah, I know. If everybody yeah, this believes is, this in is unjustif- the- unjustified beliefs, then... It, yeah, but unfortunately, sorry to interrupt, unfortunately it gets even worse in today's world. Whereas back in whatever, even 1800s, even 1900s, mm. if you had a belief in something, you know, maybe your immediate family and friends found out about it. Mm-hmm. But today, yeah. with Facebook, with Instagram, with, with the internet, with everything else, with everybody having their pennies worth online, on a smartphone, on a YouTube, you name it. I mean, it, and it spreads. I mean, you know, we, we call it viral because it is, it is like a virus. It mm-hmm. spreads. So these opinions not only get people like Malcolm Roberts get... Um, voted into parliament but also these opinions then spread like like viruses Mm. so what happens is and of course the media has a lot to do with this as Mm -hmm. well the media plays on this because they want to sell more papers again i got come back to extremism what they tend to do to media and again my book explores this what tends to happen is it's the a lot of the time it's the extremes that get reported right you know, yes. uh, on either side, on either side. And, and because it polarizes oh, opinion yeah. and, and newspapers and the media rely on polarization That's of true. opinions. Yeah. They don't want the middle ground. No, the middle ground is boring. No, it's not interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. not interesting. As humans, we've evolved to pay attention to things that could threaten our survival. Yeah. Like if you had an antelope on one hill and a jaguar on another hill and you're yeah. in the middle... You'd pay attention to that jaguar. Jaguar, exactly. That antelope, I can come and kill another oh, day. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. They've capitalized on this. And, and you are 100% correct. They don't just do that with science. They do that with everything. Oh, well, everything. everything. No, no, no. I mean, no, look, look. I'm, I know I'm going to give a silly example. You know, like you read in the newspaper, um, some newspapers, not all, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, you read one day, you know, I, I don't know. So I'm just going to make it up. Tomatoes are the are the greatest thing for your sexual sexual uh, performance you know you eat you know three tomatoes a day you're you're good for the rest of your life kind of thing okay that you read that one day and i guarantee and and this is uh, according to some you know bulgarian researcher who you know who published this in in some sort of you know whatever so then i guarantee within three days you'll see another article on tomatoes some other expert comes along and says, oh, but, you know, there's, there's some evidence that if you have too many tomatoes, that'll give you, I don't know, uh, cancer of the bowel or something. You know what I mean? So you get this, and, and neither of those are credible. Right. Neither. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm talking I know about, exactly don't you? What you're talking. you know, have you heard of Pothole 54? 
There's a great YouTube channel for the guys at home. You should check it out. Potholler54. He does. I'll, I'll have to write this down. He's phenomenal because he's a journalist and he was actually, he went to the, um, I, went to, I think he went to Kyoto and covered um, the, 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 the conference over there about the Kyoto yeah. Protocol. So yeah. fascinating guy. But what he does, and, and I have to come out clean because even though I was trained as a scientist, when you don't know much about a certain field, you're prone to being swayed by arguments and unless mm -hmm. until you have an expert mm -hmm. who can lay out the arguments here mm -hmm. like what mm -hmm. people are saying this is why climate change is wrong and here are the arguments against those and this is why we believe that climate change is happening until i had that happen to me i was in limbo i thought this is people you know they had a hypothesis rather mm. than the well-established theory that humans are mm. you know uh, involved in carbon dioxide emissions mm. and that mm. is mm. good so i was even prone to it so i i can sympathize even with my friends as to see why they believe what they believe and this comes back to the media their inability yeah. to report facts inability to this is one thing that I hate seeing on TV. They have a climate denier oh, and the, then a climate scientist the, and they treat them like they're equally. equally. It's worse than that. They they, should have, there, there was a, there was a, you know, do, do you watch, um, do you watch the ABC's um, um, Monday night uh, Q&A? Sometimes. Well, there was one episode. I, I, I very rarely am compelled to write to, you know, to people. Uh, on this occasion, I had to write to ABC TV. I said, please do not do this again. What they had done is worse than what you're saying. They had put Professor Brian Cox. Do you know? Physicist, yes. Physicist. He's, he's I, I would call him a mental giant, yes. right? He, 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 I mean, what he doesn't know about you know, life in the universe is, okay. So he, they've got him on the panel, and they've got this Malcolm Roberts that I was referring to on the other side. Now, now to be honest... That conversation is a very, very unequal conversation. It's like putting, you know, um, I don't know, Einstein next to a bloody uneducated, and Einstein's trying to explain the real, you know theory of relativity to right. someone who hasn't even been to school. You know, it's yeah. it's it's not an what I call an equal conversation. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's again, it's the extremes. You see, what you do is you put a mental giant next to or against a climate denier who has in fact at some point during the, the this this it was live mm -hmm. q a is live mm -hmm. uh, at some point uh, malcolm roberts actually questioned nasa N nasa's uh, data uh -huh. and you should have seen the look on <laughs> the look on on this right. astro astrophysicist right. you know like he said oh what you're saying NASA is manipulating the uh, next thing you're going to say the lunar landing didn't take place. You know what I mean? But but just to come back to what we were saying, I think come back to science and you know you mentioned expertise in particular fields and scientific fields etc. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the problems I think we're having today because of the media partly because of this we, we, we're going through kind of an anti-authoritarian and anti-science period. Yeah. We, you know, we, we, these days, we, you know, we, you read just the other day, someone died in, a, in a, some sort of beauty. Uh, someone gave the wrong. You, because you get reports. I mean, this is one event. 
I mean, and, and last night, some young boy tragically died in a hospital or just was released from hospital. Again, you get these, what I call extreme uh, uh, reports of, uh, what do I call it? Um, it's, it's way outside the, right. the normal distribution curve. Right, right. So, you know, you don't hear... Uh, the, the, the millions of scientific uh, events that are taking place mm-hmm. without any discrepancy, without any error. I mean, the lunar ex- eclipse in America recently, they, they, could, they, could, they could anticipate the, the, the second when the, you know, the, 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 the sun and the moon were going to be mm-hmm. absolutely in line with each other. I mean, that's scientific knowledge that's doing that. That's not some bloody... Flat you know, Earth. just just how did flat earthers justify that? So exactly. So so what I'm saying is scientific fact. I mean, when when you you came here by car, that was science bringing you here. Mm-hmm. You know, our, my my mobile phone is is you know there's huge scientific invention and 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 dark. Um, when I get onto an airplane, I'm mm-hmm. putting my life on 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 aeronautic science. Yeah. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, so, and what's happening? But, but nevertheless, I fear, and anti-vaccination coming back to that is part of that. We're going through a, an era of anti-science mm. and anti-authoritarianism. Mm. I mean, Brexit has been blamed on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say Trump is a result of anti-authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. People got sick and tired of, you know, politicking and, and, and politic talk and all that. And they said, you know, this guy... He, he's, you know, he's, a, he's, he's an, different. He's different. Yeah. He speaks his mind. He doesn't talk this political talk. He just yeah. says it the way it is. He's honest. Well, <laughs> supposedly. So, 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 so in a way, because, and he's not scientific. You say, can you imagine a scientist being the president of America? Can you imagine that? I can't. No. So, so why is it that scientists, are we coming back to science? Mm. I mean... Why aren't we holding these amazing people who are, who are giving us medical science? You mentioned cancer earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, cancer, cancer is just, it's no longer even a death sentence anymore. I mean, my, my brother, unfortunately, is going through cancer th- uh, therapy now. But listen, you know what? They're going to give him the best scientific or medical uh, treatment possible. I mean, we're going through an era of amazing scientific knowledge. Right. So, so why is it That's that right. you know you go to your oncologist or you get you get you know your appendix cut out if you got pain, and you accept that science, but you can't accept climate science? What is it? Can't say. You know, I heard an argument. Uh, are you familiar with the Protestant movement when Martin Luther, I think, in the 1500s? I know a little bit about it. So he translated the the um, the Bible from Latin to vernacular, so that uh, the common people can read it. Right. And and what happened was that then people came about and said, okay, rather than going to the priests, going to the church and getting the interpretation of what the scriptures mean right. you can just interpret it in your Yourself. own way fantastic and so what happened was that you had all these branches of christianity you had false prophets different interpretations different interpretations yeah. but the interesting thing was that it led to uh, a, a skepticism towards authority mm. you know and the, the, the so the catholic church or the or the high church was no longer no longer in power the speaker of 
of truth. Truth. Quote unquote truth. And I, I do want to distinguish here because I've heard people say that science is, is a religion. Definitely not. What we base our beliefs it on is, is on evidence. We don't base it on unjustified beliefs. Oh, so it is it is the exact opposite. Exact of. opposite. And there's no dogmatism. We might be convinced that the universe is a certain way, but as soon as there's a, a, a building of evidence that suggests otherwise, people reshift. And that's what to, I think Thomas Kuhn talked about, the paradigm shift, mm. um, this, mm. this, this process that science goes through. But interesting, this, this analogy and this comparison... Um, this this person, I think it was on a podcast or an audiobook I, I read or listened to, I should say. And he was saying that a similar thing is happening now with the advent of the internet. Mm. That because people have access to information... Well, that's what I was saying. Will, and, and spreading it like like viruses. Yeah. yeah. And, and interestingly, during Martin Luther's time, yeah. um, how uh, these, these ideas, these memes would get spread was through the printing press. So these pamphlets would get distributed and the Anabaptists, in fact, this is how they would get people to come to this one specific city, I, I believe was Munster. And this is how they built up, you know, the population of Anabaptists there. And then they got all weird because then it, as all these cults do, just like Waco, everyone mm. it, it always ends up with the dude at, at the top um, just sleeping with everyone's wives. <laughs> 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 that always happens. Yeah. But the, the analogy stands, I think... Um, just the, it's like the democratization of information um, by the, through the advent of internet. Mm. It's, it's great we have access to information, but we have no ability to decipher what is true and false. And it turns out, coming back to A Climate for Denial, my book, I'm sorry I have to refer no, to please. it. And coming back to that, the, the lens through which we, we see the world, mm -hmm. it turns out, is through a number of these cognitive barriers and cognitive lenses, if you like. So even looking at science, uh, the cognitive sort of barriers to accepting any particular science, it turns out, I mean, and this is why, because one of the questions that started my research was, why is it that people believe some parts of science, mm -hmm. they believe that the, the water boils at 100 degrees Celsius, Oh, yep, I get that. Tick. Yeah, I get. I accept that part of science. Right. I accept the fact that when I board an airplane, it you know most of the, you know ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time it's going to get me to to London safely. I accept the fact that if I've got a bloody God forbid some cancer, I'm going to go to an oncologist and get the bloody thing cut out. Mm. But when it comes to climate science, I'm not going to accept that. So I thought to myself, why is it that? You accept those bits, but not this bit here, mm. and vaccination, another one. So, so then I th then it turns out, and that's what my research worked out. It turns out ideology mm. is the biggest. So, coming back to your friends, have a close look. Oh, they don't, don't even say it. I, I, I can guarantee it. Yeah. So, if you give, okay, I'll give you the other main drivers Please. for denial. Mm -hmm. Ideology is the biggest one, and this is not. I, this is my research. I mean, many, many very well uh, researched studies have shown this ideology and obviously politics. And then it turns out religion. Mm -hmm. Whoa, mm. you mentioned Martin Luther. It turns out religion also affects the way people see certain things, and science is one of them. And when it comes to climate change, because if you believe in an omniscient omnipotent god mm -hmm. 
Well, he obviously, and it is a he, isn't it? It's a big, big bearded fellow up the top. He determines the climate. Not, you know, we, we mere humans have no... Anyway, so that's... So ideology, Christian... Uh, sorry, uh, extreme uh, religion. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out gender. Mm. You ma- mentioned ma- ma- men. Ma- men more than women. And it turns out age. And there's a few others, but 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 by the time you combine these four, so if you have a, a I'm sorry to if 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 your family and friends are part of this, I apologise. Mm-hmm. I, I have some as well in my circle. Uh, if you have a, a right wing, highly religious, doesn't matter what kind of religion, highly religious, male over fifty five, I can almost guarantee. That he'll be a climate denier. <laughs> Almost, I, I could put money on it. Right. Okay. So, so you get this combination of effects because this this person, mm. right wing male over fifty five, say, a uh, strict Christian person, mm. um, because he will see the world and particularly climate change com- completely differently to you and I. Completely. You know, when you say you know science is science. It's not belief. It's not. It's not some opinion. It's science. It's fact, mm. and and it's interesting because these people, even because what I've done in the past, uh, one of my way of sort of testing the waters is, I say to this person, if I if I ever come in contact with them, uh, I say to them, okay, okay, I accept, I accept your opinion and your belief, which, but give me ten minutes. Just 10 minutes. In fact, probably less than that. Mm. And I will explain to you in such simplistic, simple, irrefutable manner. Mm -hmm. And you'll walk away, hopefully, more convinced that climate change has to be happening, despite your belief. Mm. No one, no one has ever taken up my offer. No one has said, okay, Eric, you've got 10 minutes. No one. They really? walk away. Really? Yeah, but you know, you know why. You know, you mentioned cognitive dissonance. You see, because if if you say that, you, you're almost saying I'm going to change your your mind. You know, because it's it's confronting. Yeah, it's confronting. Yeah, you know, it's it's like it's like uh, again. I'm I apologize for to all the smokers who are going to be listening to this. <laughs> it, it's like saying to your smoker, "Here, I have a I have a graph here." Yep. I have a graph here which shows you the the elevation of risk of respiratory disease and cancer uh, by by the number of you know blah 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 and and you you put this in front of that person guess what you're doing to that person you're basically showing him a death sentence yeah and that's really confronting that is oh jeez sorry about that no problem no problem um. So, so see what I mean. So, and then, and that's, and that people find that really confronting. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? Um, the allegory of the cave. I think who was Aristotle who who proposed this um, thought experiment. So there are these three people who are in this cave. Their heads, they are chained, and they can't look left and right. They can't talk to each other, but they are looking at the wall. And behind them, there are these puppeteers. Um, who are making these shapes? Oh, right, showing it. Yeah, on the showing wall. them. And yeah. these three 
people they are convinced that that is reality yeah. right so they are convinced that these shapes represent reality and what they're experiencing right now is objective reality but what happens is that one of these uh, men uh, actually are freed from their shackles they climb out of the cave and they see the the people behind casting shadows you know uh, to to create these these figures and he goes outside and he sees the world he sees the sun and he sees the beauty that is the universe and and he stays there and he goes man i can't believe i used to think that was reality mm. this is true objective reality i have mm. to go back mm. and save my friends and, sh and, mm. and show them that this is objective reality what you're seeing it's all an illusion so he goes back to the cave and he goes to his friends and he says all what you're seeing here these are lies these aren't truth this is what reality is truly outside and they get angry at him yeah and yeah, they then yeah. they start hissing at him and start telling him cursing at him telling him that if he doesn't get away if he doesn't stop saying what he's saying then they're gonna kill him mm, mm. well i mean reality is is can be can be difficult sometimes as i said you know uh, and 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 the other thing that I, I tend to say to, to to climate deniers is is another is another good question to ask, and I give all this in my book as well, is okay, I ask them okay. You've got this belief, you've got this opinion. What would it change? Or what would it take? Sorry, what would it take to change your belief? Just like the the people in the cave, mm -hmm. it it has to take. Well, what what will it take to change? your view, mm. your reality, mm. whatever that reality is. Mm. And again, guess what? Most, most people actually don't have an answer. Yeah. So you say, okay, what will it take? Tell me, tell me what you need yep. and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll find it. Yeah. I, I know exactly where to get the data. Yeah. I know exactly what answers. So tell me what you need. And I, again, they say, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, just, just prove it to me. Well, yeah, but prove what? There's so much to prove. I mean, what do you want? You want the NASA? You want the, the, the aerial photographs of the world, you know, the, the, how the glaciers are, the temp temperature uh, graphs showing? What, what is it going to? Oh, no, that, that's, you know, so, so it it's actually becomes a, for them, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, mm. but also they, they're stuck. In a way, they're stuck in a black hole, and they don't even know what it will take mm. to get them out of there. And and I and I've given up. Yeah. I've given up. So so it's it's the reason I wrote the book. Yeah. Because I thought, look, I'm not going to talk to these people. So what I, the, the, my my book is actually aimed not at the deniers because I don't expect any of them will read it for all the reasons <laughs> for all the reasons I just gave you in the last ten minutes. Right. Um, but I wrote them for people like you. For people like me, because once we understand the the root problem, the root cognitive barrier mm -hmm. to science, it's it's that's what it is. So what is it? So once we know that, then maybe we the conversation it differs. Something I've learned um, now. Who was the French philosopher Molière? One of the one of the French philosophers. Um, oh no, I know, I know who it was. How recent? Uh, Pascal. Pascal. It was okay. Pascal. Okay. Anyway, he. I mean, this, we're going back to the Renaissance. Right. Um, he came up. He said, "When you're talking to an adversary, you don't attack them. Mm. In fact, if anything, 
you congratulate them for their interest in this topic. Mm-hmm. This is what I, I try to do. Mm-hmm. I try to be as, as kind as possible mm-hmm. in that I, I, I try to find a, a glimmer of um, positivity. Posi- well, a, a glimmer of uh, convergence. Right between us Mm -hmm. okay so so we disagree on this bit we disagree on that bit what do we agree on yes (laughs) okay do we agree that the climate is changing i mean let's let's start with at least you know like any negotiation you start with with do we have anything in common at all (laughs) (laughs) do you you accept some science yes do you think do you think all science is rubbish or Mm -hmm. do you think some okay so 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 that my method right now is not to attack the person and say you stupid idiot uh you don't you have no no right to that opinion you have you don't have the expertise so why where is this i don't say that mm. so what i try to do is I, I try to find some common ground uh and and that's our starting point mm. okay do you accept most signs good we, we can start with that so, so you know, you, you, the conversation starts from there yeah. rather than from the sort of extreme I views. I, I think that's a very good strategy. And um, so that we met at that Marx Institute lab meeting. This is, yeah. I don't know, a month ago, quite, yeah. quite a few yeah, weeks a ago. a month ago, yeah. And, uh, it was great. Yeah, very, it was, very good audience. There, well, it was a very good talk, so. <laughs> Thanks. But uh, I think we, we brought up street epistemology um, during the questions. Um, and... That's essentially what you're doing here. So you're asking them, how do we, how do we know what we know is true, yeah. right? So if you if if you think the climate is not changing, how could we find out if it is or isn't? Yeah. So get them to think about how they would solve the issue, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe we could look at blah blah blah. Okay, yeah. let's look at it. What does it say yeah. over here? Mm. You know, what problems do you have here? How yeah. could we? And your question about you know what would it take for you to change your mind? The fact that people haven't considered that, yeah. you know, I, I they often, haven't. Yeah, they haven't. It's, it's scary yeah, it because scary. it means that they are a fundamentalist at, at the core, yeah. right? They are believing something that is based on nothing but belief, yeah. you know. Yeah. And if you haven't considered how you can disprove your own belief, um, then how are you ever going to determine if your beliefs are bullshit? Yeah, right. Yeah. If you don't ever do that constantly, well, as you as you know more than most people uh the scientific method is also uh, to continue questioning mm. and that's that's how we explore that's how we find new things i don't i don't mean just questioning whether you know uh water boils at 100 degrees or not but mm. question what's the next thing okay if it yeah. boils at 100 degrees yeah. you know what what does you know what happens if we put salt in it for mm. example you know does it increase does it, so so it's that forever searching for new information yes. new data new knowledge and, and testing and testing testing, testing, testing. ideas that's is right thing. so so this is what this is the scientific method uh, that's basically well part of the scientific method mm. and and so Again, so one of the questions I ask people is, do you want to learn more about climate science? Or are you, are you done? Are you, are you finished here? Mm. You know as much as you want to know? Or, is there, or the other question I, I, I find useful is, where, where did you get your information? YouTube. <laughs> no, no. Okay, but I don't rubbish that. <laughs> no, no, no. What I do, well, again, because I don't want to be confrontational. Of course, of because course. once you do that, that's it. That's, it's, it's over. It's, 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 it's over. It's over. <laughs> we have lost them. They're, they're, walked, they're walking away. Hello. <laughs> Oh, come back <laughs> anyway so 
Um, so, so, what, so instead, what I say to them, okay, you've got your information from whatever, you know, Google, uh, the Daily Telegraph, whatever, uh, and your friends. Mm-hmm. I, I say, well, h- how about this? And I give, I've got a list of very credible websites and, and you know, very, very credible papers and books. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you're interested, if you're not, well, I can't, you know, you, I can't, you can't do anything about that. Right. But if you're interested, you know, if, if you want to, here, here is a list that might add to your well-researched... <laughs> no, I don't say that. But, <laughs> you know, if you want to add to your already uh, researched area, mm-hmm. well, here, here is some more, you know, just you, if, you, if you want to. If you don't want to, that's fine, you that's know, fine. kind of thing. Again, it's 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 like religion. It's how are you going to change the minds of these people? It's like talking to a highly religious person. I, I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with that. But and I would not want to change their mind. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got no right to do that, mm. and they have no right to change my religious mind either. But right. I guess what I'm saying is, if it's that kind of set in their brain. So much so that they, they, they're just not going to shift. Well, there's no know, point. There's no, well, I can't do that. You can't do it. I no. can't do it. It has to be done at a societal level. Hmm. Maybe the media will come catch up. My, uh, I asked a question. I was at a talk at the Opera House the other night, a couple of weeks ago. And um, I got up and asked a question. And, and I mean this. I mean this. And it's a sad question. I said, well, it may be, it's, it's possible that we're just going to have to wait for the current leaders and current, <laughs> current men over 55, highly religious and right-wing people to sort of die off. And so that the younger generation, which have a completely different mindset, different mm-hmm. approach to knowledge and science, etc. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it's going to take. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not a defeatist. I haven't given mm-hmm. up. But maybe yeah. this is what it's going to take. That perhaps this the baby boomers generation, yeah. like me, I'm I'm in that category. By the way, um, we we're just going to die off, and the, and and you, people like you will come in, and with a new, fresher, and a different approach to it. Concerning, yeah. Well, that, that is hopeful that that it is men over 50 who are conservative and highly mm. religious mm. that have these perspectives because, mm. you know, the next generation, as you mentioned, if they don't believe what these older gentlemen believe, then there's hope that they can change the world in mm. the way that mm. reflects their understanding of what's, what's happening well, scientifically. Well, it also, also, again, um, this, this is part of the cognitive problem, uh, but also because it's going to affect you, mm far more your generation right. and and your children mm-hmm. and your grandchildren it's going to affect you far more than it's going to affect me yeah. i mean even climate change even even with these you know extreme events that are starting to we, we're starting to experience i mean as i sit here in my crow's nest home on a beautiful sunny sydney day yeah. you know where's where's climate change <laughs> yeah bring it on yeah. you know so so because it's going to start to affect you more and you're going to start seeing the evidence more maybe there's we'll hope the urgency to actually do something maybe there's some hope that's... i hope that's a hopeful note <laughs> i hope it is yeah but to your point actually <clears throat> there are there are island nations that are experiencing 
Right now. Yeah. Right and, now. And there's no question for them. No, 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 no. Absolutely none. Oh, because they, 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 it's right, it's right at, at their doorstep, literally. Yeah. Water has come up to their front door. Mm. Um, and, and this is the sad thing. This is the sad thing. You know, when I talk about Sydney and a sunny day and here, 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 here am I sitting in. So, so it's, a, it's not only an intergenerational equity issue, this. Not only does it affect you more than me, mm. but it also affects lesser uh, nations, if I can mm. call them that, lesser developed nations. Mm. I mean, Australia, I mean, look, we've got the money, we've got the facilities, we've got the technology, we've got the capabilities to somehow adapt We'll, 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 you know, we'll, we'll manage it. I mean, okay, we're going to have more floods and that sort of stuff, uh, more extreme weather, but we can, we can, we, we're much more resilient right. than these other nations because mm. they're, they're poorer, they, haven't, they don't have the... And, and, and their homes are one, one meter above sea level. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Literally, one meter above, you know, or maybe two. Okay. Mm. So, so unfortunately... It's not only an intergenerational issue, but it's also inter international issue. Inter, so so the like you know when the sea levels rise by even half a half a meter, you know parts of Bangladesh are going to be underwater. Yeah. And we're talking tens of millions of people affected. Uh, so you know it's it's huge. Mm. It's absolutely so when people when climate scientists mention these things. They're labelled as, you know, alarmists and, and exaggerating. No, mm. it's not exaggerating. If anything, if mm. anything, what the data is showing us is that the, our predictions of a few years ago were actually un, under. In fact, they were, they were, they were optimistic. Wow. Um, so can we transition into some of the science of climate science? Would you be able to perhaps, as you said, if for someone you met at a conference and you told yeah. me, hi, Hamid, I do yeah. so and so, I'm like, do you actually believe in climate change? <laughs> so what would you say to a person? What sort of Which, evidence and arguments would you lay? Very simple. This is my less than 10 minutes, in fact. It'll take me less than that. This is what I start with. I say, okay, do you accept that the sun gives us a lot of energy? Do you accept that? Yes. Our energy heat comes from the sun and it mainly comes in different uh, wavelengths. You know, ultraviolet, uh, gamma, yeah. alpha, right. microwaves, you infrared know, rays, infrared, yeah. you name it. It's all the whole spectrum, yeah. right? It comes in and it enters our atmosphere and, and it hits the ground, so to speak. Hurts. It hits earth, mm -hmm. right? But then as it turns out, um, as as you know, when you when you when you're op approaching a hot um, substance or a hot uh, sub object, you can feel the heat. It's mm. radiated energy, right. so the, the heat is coming. In, and this is again science. It's not it's not some airy fairy concept, right. uh, and everybody can experience this. So what happens is this heat usually bounces off back into the atmosphere, mm -hmm. just like you know. Because the atmosphere, but but the, because the cosmos is minus two hundred seventy-three degrees, right? It's bloody cold out there. Yeah. But we, in comparison, are very hot compared to that, right? So this heat escapes, well, tries to, and it bounces. But the bouncing, the radiated heat, is in different wavelengths right. to what's coming in, mm -hmm. and what the greenhouse gases do. Is they trap this because while they let a lot of the sun rays through, 
they don't let this infrared, infrared the, 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 the escape wavelengths to escape. Right. They let some of it, but not all of it. Oh, okay. So what happens is the more greenhouse gases we put in... So, so the infrared waves... Uh, yeah, well, t- they, yeah, they're bouncing off back into the cosmos, mm-hmm. but the greenhouse gases, the, the, reason, the reason they're actually called greenhouse gases is because of this. This is scientific fact. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, don't, we don't question this. What happens is, while they let certain wavelengths through, they don't let other wavelengths back through again. So what happens is that the, the more greenhouse gases we have in the atmosphere, the less of these, the heat from the Earth escapes back into the atmosphere. Mm. So the Earth gets warmer and warmer. Now, we're talking s- small amounts here, mm. but clearly the the th- the, the, the more the greenhouse gases, the more heat is trapped. Mm. It's as simple as that. It's like putting a blanket around the earth. Of, around, around the earth. As yeah. simple as that. And the more greenhouse gases, the thicker the blanket. It's as simple as that. Mm. So this is my... So what happens is... So, so then let, let me continue. So if, if, if more of the heat comes in and less of it is, is bouncing back and the earth is getting warmer, well, that's energy. Heat is energy, and and the more heat we have, because when you think of energy, it's like it's like you know, it's like um, it's like because heat provides energy, and when you think of energy, it's wind. Wind is energy. Mm. Waves are energy. Mm. Storms are energy. Mm. So what happens is it changes the weather. It changes the climate. Mm. So what happens is the the hotter it gets, the more energy there is trapped. In our atmosphere, in mm-hmm. our in our climate system, mm-hmm. if I can call it that, and this will have obviously what what we call climate uh, extreme weather events. Mm. So what will happen is, of course, we we have we have storms now, we have tornadoes now. But if we add more heat, more energy, we will have more of these. It's as simple as that. It's like giving I don't know if you have a child. It's like giving a five year old lollies. You know, just they have more energy and they're sort of running around like bloody, you know, like mad, you know. So, yeah. so, so this, is, this is as simple as that. It's, it, it's what the greenhouse gases do yep. that traps more heat. Mm-hmm. And the more heat, the more energy in our climatic yeah, in our system. Climate. That's it. Yeah. That's, now, the, 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 there, are, there are uncertainties. We have to admit that. The uncertainty is, is how, much, how is this going to impact how the how the climate's going? Where is it going to affect other? You know, but it's because it's a very complex issue. Right. The climate is very very, very complex. Of course. And part of the complexity, and and it, this is the a bit of the unintuitive element of it. Uh, some of this extreme weather, in in inverted commas, might involve some some areas might get colder, mm. depending <laughs> on if it drives more wind from say the Arctic. Right. Down into say the USA, which which it had. Oh damn, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Wait, what? I thought I switched it off. Jesus, um, how do I? Um, oh dear. Oh, it's an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just repeating. So this ex- uh, additional energy is going to provide, if you like, the 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 the, the source mm-hmm. for more extreme weather. We have extreme weather now. We have droughts. We have we have floods. We have hot days. We have cold days. We have tornadoes. We have hurricanes. Yes, yeah. we have all this. 
we have high wind days, low wind days, but if you add more energy, exactly. then you're, you're more likely to get these extreme events. Right. And the hardest thing is to, to then predict exactly where and when these things are going to happen. You know, people say to me, we can't even predict tomorrow's weather. How, how are you predicting the climate <laughs> for the next you know, century? Well, it's different. Weather is different to climate. Climate is this whole system that I'm referring to. Mm. How the winds, where the, you know, the wind affects the, the ocean currents yeah. have a huge impact on our weather system because that affects the rain, where it rains, the, the, the wind, and where the wind comes from. If it comes from a, a wet area, then mm. that provides rain. You know, it's, it's, I mean, look, I'm not a climatologist, believe it or not. Mm. But I can kind of make sense of this. The more energy we have in, in our system, the more extreme weather we're going to get. That's and, as simple as and that. It, and it makes total sense. You know, as I've researched into this uh, more, there's certain questions that skeptics um, bring up, like how do we know that the, if I think like 3% of the carbon is being altered by human beings in, in, our, in our system, but you don't need no. large changes no. because right. it can, it's, it's, I think carbon dioxide, so what happens is that as the temperature rises, carbon mm. dioxide gets released from the oceans because they can't store mm. carbon dioxide mm. as much. Mm. And that, it's like a, it's a feedback mechanism, right? It's well, there are a number of feedback mechanisms. The other one is as the, as the ice in the Arctic, Antarctic melts, yes. There's, there's trapped carbon dioxide and yeah. methane yeah. in there. And methane, yeah. Yeah, so me, methane is actually for, you know, 40 times worse than, than, than carbon dioxide. So, so you, you get these uh, feedback systems that yeah. exaggerate. Some of them actually um, reduce, some, but most of them will get worse, That's unfortunately. Right. In, in the history of watching that, going back to Potholler 54, and he's great because he's a journalist and he goes to the sources of everything. But he was pointing out that the, that the earth will, it, in, there's, in the history you've seen where it gets hotter, 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 and then it gets colder, colder, colder. Mm. Hotter, 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 colder, colder, mm, colder. Yeah. And there's these feed-forward mechanisms yeah. um, that carbon dioxide is involved with. And he was making the argument that even though like we may contribute to 3% of the earth's uh, carbon dioxide we, we're adding um, only a, a small amount in the atmosphere but the thing is that that small amount can start a cascade where it starts to get really 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 hot mm, and it then, can do and yeah, you can't it's exaggerated yeah, yeah and you can't bring it back because yeah. while we may not know what caused it in the in in the past right mm. we, there may mm. be a, a certain event that started this cascade of events mm. but we we do know that if we keep going down this path we might just start the next cascade yeah. and there's no coming back yeah. from it well let me just while we're on that sort of the the, the history of like going back millions of years um, there have been cycles but all of them can be explained all of them can be explained with science mm. um, and and some of it has to do with carbon dioxide. Some, some of it does not. Uh, some of it even has to do with the with the tilt of the yeah. tilt of the Earth, etc. Uh, solar flares, mm-hmm. a number of the, you know, volcanoes, and you know meteors. All sorts of things have come into it. But also, that's 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 sort of fact number one. But the other fact is this: way back, let's say, let's go back into Neanderthal times. You know, I don't know. 50,000 BC, right? If if climate change took place and it, it probably did mm-hmm. and then we know it did. Mm-hmm. It it and 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 it led to 
you know, a lot of people probably not surviving or migrating. The reality is we, today we can't migrate. Hmm. It's not like, like, you know what I mean? It, we, we, the, the world, I mean, back, back then it was probably, uh, I don't know, maybe one or two million humans on earth. Right. And in, in very, very isolated areas, you know, Africa or maybe parts of, parts of Amer- uh, uh, Europe, Europe or whatever, or the Middle East. Maybe a, a, a you know I don't know a few a few hundred tribes or a few th- even thousand tribes, but as you said you know 120 little little villages here and there, so so and and they were much more mobile than we are. Mm. They were they were hunters and gatherers mm. by by definition. Mm. So they they just moved on. If 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 if, if one area got too too hot or too too droughty less or, or flooded or whatever, they just moved to the next because they did that anyway. Mm. You know. So, so it, it was probably not as problematic, not as catastrophic. Well, well, can you imagine today, you know, I mean, look at what's happening in Texas. I mean, what, what, where are the Texans going to go? Are they all going to go to Los Angeles, are they? I mean, right. you, know, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, where are the Bangladeshians going to go? Where are these uh, Pacific Islanders going to go? If we're worried about a few boat full of refugees coming today, Imagine guess what? That's going to happen in 100, 200 years' time. I know it's going to be way after you and I are gone, but the reality is yeah. we're going to have climate refugees. Yeah. We are. You know, it, it, you know, um, part of my uh, talk at this uh, St. Albans uh, Writers' Festival this weekend is someone has written a book, not me. Uh, I didn't even know there was such a classification. It's called Cli-Fi. Climate. It's it's not sci-fi. It's cli-fi. It's cli-fi. It's 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 climate. Climate is sort of it's a, 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 a apocalyptic sort of climate scenario. Wow. It's a, it's it's fiction. Yeah. It's it's entirely fictitious. Right, right. It's fiction, um, but it explores the possibility of um, the world mm. basically running out of water and and apparently or well, under this book anyway. It only rains out in in, in the sea, in, in the sea. And, <laughs> and and they have to go out there and harvest the water and bring it back into land and sort of and this has created you know people are killing each other for for water and all that kind of you know yeah. pretty extreme sort of human so but 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 you know that that's what I'm saying I mean at 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 many points in in a human history we've probably dealt with climate change. Mm. But but you know what? In a way, might have been a lot easier in Neanderthal times mm. when we were hunter gatherers anyway, and we mm. moved around. We didn't have concrete buildings we lived in. We lived in a bloody tent or a, or a cave, right. and we just moved on to the next cave. That's right. Or 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 a or a um, straw built um, shack somewhere. You know, yeah. just you just we just packed the straw and moved it to the next the next uh, mountain or the next valley or whatever. It would have been much simpler than it's going to be today. With you know, there's going to be eight billion billion people in the world soon. Yeah. How are you going to move those people around to the next village? You can't, and I think it's going to be more and more challenging. By 2050, I think we expect nine billion people on yeah. this earth. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. maybe we just go to a different planet. <laughs> well, that's what they're trying to do. <laughs> Elon um, Musk. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk, and uh, isn't Branston doing that as well? Anyway, I'm yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, uh, "If we have the resources to terraform a whole new planet, then we should have the resources to fix our own. So don't bother going to another planet." Well, this is it. I mean, should we be doing that, or should we 
try to fix this first <laughs> before we give up. I think well, we, I think well, that's part of science, isn't yeah. it? I think the exploration of space isn't just about trying to find another home. I think it's about learning more about the universe and yeah. and who we are and how we got here and all of that no, becomes becomes religious almost. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, just one thing I, I did want to say. Um, so there are some contentions where people have brought, like you brought solar flares, there's methane, there's a, a few other variables that I think people think, oh, climate scientists don't consider in the models that they have, the hockey stick, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That, well, have they considered solar flares? Have they considered this? Like, well, uh, you have let, to kind of step let, back and say, don't you think people who spend their lives I in know, this in this I specific know, field, wouldn't they consider every variable know, possible so they wouldn't look stupid in front of people? Exactly. You know, I mean, you would, you would, you know, again, this is, this is people who obviously don't understand the rigorous nature of this science. They think it's just a group of people sitting in front of a computer, just you know, with, agreeing with a, to things. With a, with a, well, or no, no, just and 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 you know, some sort of model that they've developed. These models are so complex. Trying to, uh, uh, particularly when when dealing with with prediction of what climate is going to do, um, they are so complex. And when I said you know all of these other things can be explained in the past, yeah. of course they've they've looked at. Of course, they've looked at solar flares. I mean, it's bloody obvious. I mean, honestly, to you know, to think that you know the the, the, the the man in the street has come up with an idea that tens of thousands of scientists have not thought. Oh my God! You th- solar flares. Oh, we better we better tell these scientists there are solar flares. Have you thought of that? No, they haven't thought of solar flares. I mean, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's laughable. It's really laughable. You know, uh, and what about, you know, they say to me things like uh, the other one, the other one I get. In fact, I got it at the talk at, 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 at your university. And it's a good one. I don't mind it. Uh, it was, uh, a guy said, what about population growth? We talked about population mm. just a minute ago. Mm. And I say, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, not only, well, okay, you can look at it two ways. Population is going to exaggerate mm. climate change because you know more consumption, more energy, more this, more that. Okay, and and there are other issues associated as food supply, water security, blah blah blah. Mm. Okay, uh, population is a bit, but that's the point. Isn't the fact that the world's population is increasing that we ought to actually do something about climate? Because because if we don't, we are going to exaggerate the problem. Now, okay, you could say, well, hang on a minute, shouldn't we limit population? Oh, well, good luck. Good luck. Mm. How are you going to do that? I mean, China tried to do that. Mm. Um, You know, the one-child policy uh, or whatever. Look, they're still the largest population. (laughs) Um, How are you going to stop people copulating? I mean, Mm. how are you going to stop people having children? What are you going to do, you know? you know basically cut their balls off or mass sterilization, or, yeah, mass sterilization or, or penalty i mean it's that's that is that is more difficult it has mm. to be i mean okay let's be rational about it okay we can limit but 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 it turns out even if the world's population did not decrease from this moment mm-hmm. right okay nobody is allowed to have any more children everybody gets castrated done we're done. Okay, let's let's consider that cli- cli-fi. It's cli-fly. Cli-fly. Yes. Cli- 
Clive Phi. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, so this scenario, okay, everybody, so, so even if at the current level of about 7 billion people, we still, we're still not going to do it. Okay, so, so my argument against the sort of, you know, what about, uh, what about uh, population growth argument is that, look, yes, I agree with you. It's a big issue. But okay, what, what's your answer to that? At least we have some answers to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions, mm. you know, renewable energy, right. solar, da, 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 redu- reduction of uh, energy use being more efficient in the way we... I'll go, I'll go back to my, how I started this talk, and that is we need to be much more efficient. We, we're very wasteful, honestly. Mm. We are. We waste a lot of... I mean, we, we use a lot of energy that we don't have to use. So I think the world, particularly the Western world, can, can be much more conservative in the resources we use, in the energy we use, and we can put more... I mean, I'm not, I'm not entirely anti-coal, believe it or not, because particularly in Australia, we need to transition away from coal, mm. but that transition isn't going to happen. We, we can't just switch everything off right now because we, we, we don't have the... And that's what the, what's going on in Parliament today. Uh, in, in the, the discussion is all about well how we how are we going to have reliable affordable energy in Australia? Uh, well, the, the answer is well we we can't just suddenly switch off all co- coal fired any uh, uh, power station. We can't. I, I I don't advocate for that at all. Mm. So, but we have to transition. Just how quickly we have to do that, how quickly we do that is is a matter of economics, social issues, politics, you name it. Mm. So. We've got lots and lots of issues ahead of us, but it's been exciting. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, we've been going for about an hour and fifteen. Wow, <laughs> Time I can talk. <laughs> I've been I've been told I can talk underwater. But, yeah, but I, if I well, I I'm sure you'll be able to edit this. No, look, go for wait, it. Most look, I, I think just oh, who's going to listen to an hour and fifteen <laughs> of me talking? You'd be surprised. Oh, You'd be surprised. Oh there are podcasts God. out there for three hours. Oh, they go wow. on for three hours, and people. I actually listen to many podcasts that go beyond three hours. Oh my god! Yeah, so uh, okay, yes. <laughs> so right. you'd, be, you'd be shocked how many people would actually. Um, well, it's been yeah. wonderful talking to you. I'm sorry if yeah, I went on a bit. No, too no, it was it was all good. I I, I appreciate um, your time and, and this conversation. I had a lot of fun talking to you, Eric. So thank you so much. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks for the opportunity. No, my pleasure. Hey Cash, how's it going, buddy? All right, that's how we're going to start the podcast. <laughs>